All right, Proverbs chapter 2, let's begin in verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, or wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright, He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the path of justice and preserves the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity in every good path. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you, understanding will keep you, to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perversity of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and who are devious in their paths, to deliver you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house leads down to death and her paths to the dead. None who go to her return, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you may walk in the way of goodness and keep to the paths of righteousness. For the upright will dwell in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the earth and the unfaithful will be uprooted from it. Chapter 3. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Happy is the man who finds wisdom, and the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver, and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies. And all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days is in her right hand, in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who retain her. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding he established the heavens. By his knowledge the depths were broken up, and clouds dropped down the dew. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for your word. Thank you that we have it to turn to any time we need it, Lord. We pray that you'd build our lives upon it. Help us, Father, today to be not just hearers of your word, but doers of your word. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would convict where conviction is needed, that he would comfort where comfort is needed, that he would exhort where exhortation is needed. 
And Lord, that you would just help us to understand and make application of these verses for each one of our lives. We thank you, Lord, that you want to be our teacher. We ask that you would teach us this morning by your spirit. We commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. We began last week uh, looking at the value of wisdom and how valuable it is to know how to apply knowledge. Knowledge is information, and it's great. God wants us to grow in knowledge, but he also wants to help us to know how to apply that knowledge. If you have knowledge but you can't apply it, what good is it really? And so wisdom is knowledge rightly applied. So we have the youth in here. We're thankful for you, youth. I call you the youth of America. That's a term of endearment. Um, You're not just the youth of America. You're You're the youth of the kingdom. And we have great expectations related to you growing into godly men and women and passing this whole heritage down that you've received to another whole generation. What's interesting about uh, the beginning of Proverbs chapter 2 is that uh, he begins with this whole kind of paternal instruction. You see at the beginning of of verse 1 saying, my son. Now we're going to see that, and we have seen it already last week, but it appears in the Proverbs 23 times. My son. And wisdom so often is passed down from parent to child, and the child has to be receptive to it. And the more wise they are, the more receptive they'll be to more wisdom being deposited into their hearts and minds and all of that. But I, I, I don't doubt at all that Solomon had his father David pass on a lot of wisdom to him. I'm sure Solomon heard these words. My son, when you think about this, do that. When you are in this situation, don't forget to do this. My son, do this. My son, don't do it's, it's. I know that those words of his son, I'm sure Samuel, or not Samuel, Solomon rather, could hear that voice still in his head of my son. And it's not just for fathers and sons, obviously. It's for all of us as children of God. It's a a paternal type instruction or desire to help. There's no greater love, a humanly love, than to be able to have love for your children. And you want to pass on so much wisdom. And you know that you could save them so much pain and suffering if they would listen to you. Because they don't have to learn from making their own mistakes. They can learn by the mistakes of others in proper instruction. So he begins here in verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasure. There's a lot of conditional things there. Notice the word if there in verse 1. So that, if you, it, that, so that you incline your heart to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. If, if you seek her as silver, verse 3, I mean verse 4. If, 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 it's conditional. There's a condition that we have to meet. There are prerequisites to receiving wisdom. In verse 2, we're told that you have to incline your ear to wisdom. You have to be ready to listen. You know, we're told in the New Testament to be slow to speak and quick to listen. And usually we're the opposite, aren't we? 
We're very quick to speak and slow to listen. That's just how we are. And so God tells us to do the opposite of that. We're also told to apply our heart to understanding at the end of verse 2. See, it's about the heart. The heart is the issue. We have to apply our heart to understanding. We have to want it from our hearts. We have to want truth. We have to want how to live. And then we're also told if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, that's something that we're doing verbally. Do you see that? Cry out, that's something that we do verbally. But also, if we lift up our voice for understanding, that's talking about someone that desires wisdom so much that we're willing to pray for it. We're told to ask for wisdom. God doesn't want to withhold wisdom from us, as we'll read, or I'll read to a passage of Scripture in a moment. But also, he says, we need to seek after those things and value them as if we, as like we value silver or we, we value hidden treasures. You know, right now I'm watching The Curse of Oak Island. I don't know if anyone else is watching that, but I've, the curse is really you can't stop watching it because, you know, it's like you get into it like, what are they going to find? What kind of treasure are they going to find at, in Oak Island at the bottom of this big money pit that's exactly what it is a money pit because people for generations have tried to figure out what the treasure is down there see now the curse is being passed on unfortunately to you maybe I don't know hopefully you won't get sucked in like I have Um, but people value hidden treasure that's just that's the exciting part of treasure hunting you ever gone in a um, a treasure hunt where you have to go door to door and and you have to ask for certain weird things, and if they have it and they give it to you, then whoever has the first set of things, they win. It's just, I don't think they do that very much anymore because it's so dangerous going door to door asking for a thimble. You know, half of the population don't even know what a thimble is. Uh, but so we value those things, it's exciting. And so God wants to give us wisdom, He doesn't want to withhold wisdom. Sometimes we think, well, God, I don't know what to do. It seems like you're withholding wisdom from me. It's almost as if you're thinking in your heart, and we all can be there at times, that he doesn't want me to know. He doesn't want me to know what to do. That's not the truth at all. I want to read a passage to you from James chapter 1. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask God, who gives to all liberal, liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So God doesn't want to withhold wisdom from us at all. But here's the condition. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose that you will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways." So he wants us to have wisdom, especially in the context of a trial. A lot of times that is the context where we're wanting wisdom, is a trial. We're going through something difficult. We want to know what to do. And God is not wanting to withhold wisdom. Most of the time, a lot of the wisdom that we're asking for is actually already revealed in Scripture. That we're not looking for it, or we don't know it's there yet. But there's a lot of specific wisdom related to our specific situation. They're just waiting for us to ask waiting for us to ask him in faith and trust him that he's going to reveal that wisdom for us. And before we know it, it's there. 
So maybe you're here today and you're needing wisdom for something, especially a trial or something, but your heart hasn't valued wisdom up to this point in terms of his word, in terms of he's already revealed things to you that you've been disobeying or you've been not wanting to obey the wisdom he's already revealed. I would encourage you to heed those things he's already been speaking to you about and then ask in faith for this new wisdom that, that you need. And he wants to give it. He's a loving father. Do we, if we have kids, do you want your children to not have wisdom? And if you have it, are you kind of stingy or, or kind of holding back in terms of wanting them to know? No, you're wanting them to know all the wisdom that you can possibly give them. Usually the issue is them not wanting to receive as much wisdom as, as we want to, to give. And so that's how it is for the Lord. He wants us to have all the wisdom that we need. Now notice when the right heart is present, how he will pour it out. Look with me at verse 5. Notice the word then at the beginning of the verse. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice and preserves the way of his saints. Notice the word then. It's a, it's, there's conditions that we went over. And when he, we have the right heart, when we're willing to do the right thing, because so often we want wisdom, but we want the wisdom that agrees with what we want to do. <laughs> you know, it's like, I want wisdom of what to do, but I really think we should go this direction, God. So don't tell me anything to the contrary, but I still want wisdom. I mean, that's not going to work really well. Because we should want what he wants. Because what he wants is always what's best. He really wants what's best for us. And sometimes that's a whole other issue where we're struggling with that. Does he really want what's best for me? When I'm looking at my life and how things have turned out, it hasn't really turned out how I thought. And, and maybe he doesn't want what's best for me. Yes, he wants what's best for us. There's many different situations that we go through in life, and he has promised a lot of different things, but he wants us to walk true to him, he wants us to be faithful to him, and he will honor all of that. But also he works in ways where he does what's best for us, and it's not what we thought would be best for us, but later on we look and we see that it was best for them. Like our children when they're, when they're toddlers or when they're really young, and they don't think that we know what we're doing. I mean, if they were to take a whole at that moment they would say we're probably the most incompetent parents in the whole neighborhood how dare you say that I need to do this or that that doesn't make any sense but later on they see the wisdom of it and they see that we knew what we were talking about for the most part Um, none of us are perfect parents that's for sure but notice in verse 7 he says he stores up sound wisdom for the upright what's the upright It's for those that walk true to him, those that walk in obedience to him. Not perfectly, but walk in obedience to him and walk in a way that pleases him. You know, at one point you may remember the Lord Jesus said, I always do those things that please the Father. That's what we're shooting for. That's what we're growing towards as disciples. To be able to say in an increasing way. Of course, we're never going to be able to say, I always do the things that... But we can get closer and closer all the time. And that's, the, that's what he wants to bless. He wants us to be upright. And he says he is a shield to those who walk uprightly. It's a process. Walking is a process. It's not a one-time event. 
Walking is a process, and that's what our life is. It's a process of following him, walking after him, walking in the spirit, walking in obedience to him. And notice he guards something in verse 8. He guards the paths of justice and preserves the way of, notice, his saints. You belong to him. You're his prized possession. You're the treasure that I talked about. You're the hidden treasure, in a sense. You are the treasure, the pearl of great price. You're the, you're the one that he loves. You're the apple of his eye. He, you belong to him. You know, sometimes when people come from a certain background, they have trouble being referred to as a saint. It's like, I haven't, I haven't done an all miracle. I haven't died yet. I haven't, you know, like, no, it, it literally means holy one in the New Testament. And we've all been, that those of us that know Christ, we've all been kind of legally declared to be righteous because of Christ's sacrifice put to our account. And because of that, we're holy. Positionally, we're perfect before him. Practically, we're still growing in a practical way. But positionally, we're flawless and perfect. And when he looks at our lives, he sees the blood of Christ, the righteousness of Christ, pure as, pure as the whiter than any snow that could ever fall to the ground. That's who we are. We are holy ones. And he wants us to continuously increase in our practical holiness and getting closer and closer to um, the character of Jesus by God's grace and by his power. Verse 9, another then there. Then, so he had a a then in verse 5, now he has a then in verse 9. You will understand righteousness and justice, equity and every good path. Notice it's every good path. There's nothing that wisdom holds back from us and we we don't understand a certain way of living every good path every way that we should live is revealed to us we will understand those things verse 10 when wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul we have to let wisdom enter our hearts we have to have our hearts be the kind of hearts where knowledge especially difficult necessary things that are convicting that we don't necessarily want to hear when we have our hearts uh, in a way where it's pleasant to our soul to hear those things. As we grow in maturity, the more we want to be corrected. The less mature we are, the less we want to be corrected. And we can't take correction the more immature we are. The more mature we can be able to take correction, be able to say, okay, I receive it, I'll take it to prayer, I'm thankful for it. There's a great risk people take to give us those exhorting words, or those words of exhortation. We're thankful for it, and we, and we listen. That's the person that's wise. And the wiser we are, the more wisdom we'll be able to receive when it's wisdom that goes against how we're living and, and exhortation that we need to grow. Verse 11. Discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perversity of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and who are devious in their paths." just speaks of just not enjoying wickedness, not partaking in it, not wanting to be around it, not wanting to hear about it, not wanting to be entertained by it, not wanting to rejoice in, in 
perverse things or to relish hearing about those kinds of things. It's, it's turning from those things. It's not wanting to be a part of it. You know, the standard is getting lower and lower in the Christian world related to a lot of things. It's very easy to have other believers or other churches or other people that we know be the standard for our morality and the things that we allow into our lives instead of God's word alone. It's very tempting. But we have to hold fast to the standard of God's word. And in that process, you're going to be accused, if you do that, by some believers who will call you a legalist. Oh, these are just man-made rules that you're saying and all these. No, there's principles in Scripture that back this up. There's Scriptures that say to be careful what you take in and your thoughts that come in need to be, can't be against the knowledge of Christ. That we're supposed to focus on what's beautiful and lovely and a good report. We're supposed to think on these things. We're supposed to take every thought captive. Things that don't line up to Scripture. That's the Scriptures. That's not, it doesn't matter what the world says or the church says or how many Christians are okay with it. That doesn't matter. And, and it's hard for me because I never live up to any of those things perfectly, anything that I teach or anyone else that teaches God's word. We're always teaching higher than what we live. But we should always be growing in those things and, and, and growing in holiness. You know what says that it's shameful for us to even speak about the things that, that those that, do, that are disobedient do in secret? It's shameful for us to even speak of those things. Look how far we've come in our culture, in the Christian world. We're not, we're not just speaking of them, we're participating at times, or we're being entertained by those things, or whatever it is. It, we've come so far, and I'm so thankful for, for God's word that just brings that clarity and says, look, it's perverse, it's bad, it's always been bad, it always will be bad, it's not going to change, my standard is my standard. And it's bad because it's harmful. And I don't want you to be harmed by it. It's not according to my character. It's not like me. I want you to be like me. You're my children. We need to hear that. Now he's going to get into more destruction, the kind that comes through sexual sin in verse 16. To deliver you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. What a vivid picture. This is speaking of an immoral woman who's, who, who's living a life of adultery and wants to seduce other people in. And this is why one of the reasons why I wanted to have the youth in here because this is a warning to young men first, but it's also a warning to young women. It's a, it's a warning to adult men, adult women, because this immoral woman is someone that is very seductive and uses flattery and you know all of us are subject to flattery oh i'm immune to that yeah just wait till someone that you really respect or like or whatever gives you a a compliment that's beyond appropriate and they're really just you know pouring it on and you're like you know what else do you what else have you noticed about me you know i mean don't stop there i mean what else have you seen i mean i'm interested i want to hear about this i want to learn about myself no, uh, it's, it's just ridiculous. Men, young men, listen to me. Beware of women's words of flattery. Women, young women, young ladies, beware of flattery from young men. And you know what the funny thing is? is it's the young men and men in general that think that flattery will work a lot more than it actually does. <laughs> and women see right through it a lot of times, but the men don't. Men don't see through it as, as, as often. There's a, there's a 
passage of scripture we're going to get to in chapter 7, and it says this in Proverbs 7, verses 21 and 22. With her enticing speech, she causes him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduces him. Immediately, not, not, not in a little while, immediately he went after her. As an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. Just like an ox, like a dumb ox, just going right towards the, the slaughter. And again, it's not just true for men or young men. Men can entice and all of that as well, women and, over, and all of that. But again, men have an overconfidence in their ability to sweet talk uh, women. And they have discernment a lot more often than we do as men, let's just be honest. But the picture, this is the thing, is we think, well, I'm not going to be tempted. But the thing is, in certain circumstances, you will be tempted. Don't think that you won't fall. No matter how long you've walked with the Lord, you've never been tempted for years in that way or whatever, don't, we need to take heed lest we fall. Because it could happen to any of us. We could be at that soccer practice, sitting there watching our kids, and there's a, a mom there, and we're talking, and before you know it, we're crossing the line, and we're flirting, and then, I mean, and then it just happens incrementally over time. Before we know it, we're meeting for coffee somewhere. I mean, Things that you would never think that you'd ever do in a million years, you're doing. That's how it happens. That's how families are destroyed. That's how people suffer and go through horrible things. Young people, learn from this. Stay true to your God. Don't fall for all these enticing things. Don't care more about, I pray this for my kids thousands of times, care more about what God thinks than what other people think about you. That will, that will save you so Save your life. This world's opinion of you is completely irrelevant. It's what God thinks. Like it says, better to be a fool in the eyes of man than to be a fool in the eyes of God. We have to be careful even at church or at our jobs or any of these things. Be careful about flattery. Be careful about getting sucked into these things. It's, it's, you have to be on guard all the time. And look at the warning in verse 18. For her house leads down to death. The picture is stairs. Her house leads down, like her basement is death down there. And her house leads down to death and her paths to the dead. None, notice that word none, because we think we're the exception of the rule. That's the deception. That's where the enemy comes in and thinks that, oh, you're different. It won't happen to you. You know, just in the last six months, there's been a, a Calvary Chapel senior pastor has fallen from a very large church. And then a few years ago, another one did. No one, and no, I'm not setting them up as like the ultimate, you know, holy people. I'm just saying that no one is immune to it. It says none who go down to her return. You're not the exception. You, if you get close to fire, you're going to get burned. doesn't matter who you are. And God's trying to save you from that. I have been in counseling situations where a, a family is getting torn apart by all of this kind of thing. And it's like they acted as if there was no warning. There was no, I'm not talking about the victims. I'm talking about the people that, that actually fell. There was no warning from God. And all through his word, he's warning, he's warning, he's warning to be careful. There's many forms of this whole leads to death. It's not just diseases. It's not just, you know, families. There's being destroyed. There's all kinds of ways that it leads to death. Don't fall towards that, go that direction. 
chapter 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. So he's appealing to the mind and to the heart. God's word is, is beautiful. And he says, don't forget my law. He wants our hearts to be obedient, not just our actions. You know, you can be outwardly obedient, but inwardly you could be as sinful as, as anything. That's why the Apostle Paul talked about the commandment of do not covet is the one that slayed him. It's the one that got him. Because all the other ones in many ways were outward, or at least you could kind of verify them outwardly, but the covetousness, you can't. Nobody could see that. So we have to watch out for that. We have to watch out for what's going on in our hearts. We need to let our hearts keep his commandments. Don't forget his law, but let our hearts keep his commandments. Jesus said at one point, in fact, I was in an environment last week where there was a man standing there and the woman walked by and he was like going, oh man, she looks great and all this stuff. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, easy now. You claim to be a believer and this is, I have a relationship with them where I can talk with them like this and um, where it's not just, you know, just meeting you, you know, got nice to meet you and then you're nailing them on this. It was, there's a, there's a back and forth or whatever. And he doesn't know God's word very well yet. And so I said, hey, you know, Jesus said, if you lust after a woman, you've already committed adultery in your heart. And he goes, who said that? <laughs> like, I didn't say that. <laughs> I mean, I just read the Bible. I don't make it up. I mean, I didn't say that. I said, okay, Matthew 5, 28. Go look it up. He goes, I'm, I will. You know, and he comes back the next day and he goes, yeah, it said that. But, you know, it only said it like one little sentence. And I said, so if God told you one little sentence today, you'd say, sorry, this is just one sentence. You got to write more. You got to tell me more. I mean, come on. And, and he said, yeah, I don't want to hear that. And I said, I know you don't. But you need to hear it. And your wife will be very appreciative that you heard it. <clears throat> but none of, us are, none of us are completely innocent of all of that. Obviously, our hearts have to be guarded and all of that. All starts with the heart. Verse 2. For length of days and long life and peace, they will be added to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. It's like this thing that you're, it's like you're wearing and you're, you're declaring to everybody that I'm going to live a life that's pleasing to him that is a heart that keeps his commandments. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Oh, I love God, I love God, I love God. And my whole life it doesn't, represents disobedience to God's word. His word says that you're, that's not true. No, he says in 1 John chapter 2, if we say we know him and we don't obey his commandments, we're a liar and the truth is not in him. That's, that's straight talk. That's the real deal. That's getting for real. Because it's convicting. It's true. But we have to have our lives represent obedience to him. And I know we're all growing, but we've got to continue to go that direction. And he says in verse 4, And find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. So when we do that, we will find high esteem, not just in the sight of God, but in the sight of man. You know, we're called to have a great reputation outside the church. We're supposed to be respected because we are doing the things that we should do. Now, some people are going to be convicted by that, and they're not going to appreciate that. They're not going to respect it because it convicts them. Jesus warned. He said, woe to you if all men think you're, you know, 
lift you up or that, that all men think great of, highly of you or whatever the exact wording is, but woe to you when all men speak highly of you. We have to be very careful because there is sinful man and sinful man isn't necessarily wanting to hear about how to grow closer to, to Christ because of where their heart's at. Now we come to one of the most famous set of verses in the Bible, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Now we all want him to direct our paths. We all want God's will. Sometimes, and we, we, or at least we should, but sometimes that seems a little bit elusive. And we think that, is he really directing my paths and all of those things? And, and the great thing for us as believers is that even when we mess things up, he works all things together for our good. So that, I mean, he, we want to be in his perfect will and all of those things, but he's so good at working all things together for good, sometimes it's hard to tell, you know, how he did all of that. How did he do that? How did he orchestrate all of that to where, you know, he did such a great job of, of mess, or redeeming my mistakes? But there's three conditions we're told in these verses here. First is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, and then acknowledge him in all your ways. So first, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord is talking about faith. Because faith is trust, and trust is faith. That's what it is. And he wants us to trust him with all our heart. And that's difficult at times. When we're facing horrific things, and all through the scriptures... In the face of very difficult things, he's asking people to trust him. And one of the things that helps me and has helped others thinking about if I can trust him is thinking about his track record with us and thinking about the cross. Because if he died for us on the cross, we should never second guess any of his intentions or motivations or desires about my life after that because he had our best interests in mind with that cross. And so that's important. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart but also lean not on your own understanding you know our own understanding can be the biggest threat to divine guidance that there is because we assume that we know what should happen for our lives we assume that we know what's best but we were all about that before we came to know christ and how well was our life going how was that working out for us leaning on our own understanding see proverbs fourteen twelve, which we'll get to says this, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. And in Isaiah, he tells us, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So we have to understand, we have the mind of Christ in the sense that we have his, the knowledge of him, the knowledge of the gospel, the knowledge of the kingdom. We can discern good from evil. We can weigh those things because of the Holy Spirit living with, inside of us. But we're still finite, and he's still infinite. And he knows what's best for our lives. And so we have to be open and receptive to those things. Because we're not going to always want to turn the other cheek. We're not going to always want to walk the extra mile. We're not going to always want to... Not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good? See, those are his ways. Those are his thoughts. Those are his designs for our lives. We don't want to hear that. And we think that the fastest way between point A and point B is a straight line in his will. But sometimes it's, it's a roundabout all around to get to, to B because 
other people's lives are affected, and he's working in other people's lives through our lives in that whole process. And he's knocking about 10,000 things out all at once, and we have no idea what those things are. So he, he wants us to continue to grow in trusting him. You're never going to regret trusting him. You're never going to regret following him with all of your heart. Then he says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. What does that look like? It means that you put him at the forefront of your mind and your heart. And, and every decision that you're making and things that you're going through and people and situations you find yourselves and you're in this context one day and this other day you're going through your life and you're dealing with this thing. You're bringing the Lord into the whole situation. You're acknowledging him that he's sovereign over those things, that he is at work, that he has not forgotten you, that he is in the middle of your life and all those things. That's what he wants us to do. So he says if you do that, then he will direct our paths. He will be sovereign over that. The scriptures affirm that in other places. The steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. A man plans the way he should go, but the Lord directs his steps. It's a beautiful picture of man's will and God's sovereignty working beautifully together, interwoven. And so as as we're submitted to him, as we want his will, he directs our lives and all of that. And then it helps, verse 7, to not be this. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Impressed with what we know. Thinking that we have the answer all the time. Thinking that we know what the best thing for our lives is all the time. It's just it's another way of saying to not lean on our own understanding. Don't be wise in our own eyes. Be receptive. Be open to what he wants to tell us through other people, through his word, and all of that. And be open to, to him directing us in a way that we might not expect. You know, that I had one of my mentors tell me early on as a new Christian, no matter what situation in which you find yourself, always ask the Lord, no matter who's saying what, no matter what you're going through, ask the Lord, Lord, what are you trying to teach me through this? It could be completely separate than what they intend for the situation to be. It's okay because God is sovereign in our lives and he wants to use everything in our lives to bring us further into truth. And we need to ask the Lord, Lord, what is it that you want me to know or learn through this? But then he says, fear the Lord and depart from evil. We need to be increasingly departing from evil, increasingly growing in holiness, increasingly fearing the Lord, knowing that he's watching what I'm watching. He's watching what I'm doing. He's watching my motivation for why I'm doing those things. I may be doing a bunch of great things, but I have the wrong motive. It's not done because I have a loving heart for God and a loving heart for his people. And 1 Corinthians 13 says it counts for nothing. I could even sacrifice my body to be burned, burned at the stake, and it won't count for anything if I'm not doing it in love. And so he says we need to have that that desire to fear him and depart from evil. And look at the result in verse 8. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. And that word health there, it means medicinal. It will be medicinal. It will be medicine. It will be, it will be helping your bodies. I mean, it's, it literally affects our, our lives. Having faith and obedience to him can actually affect our health, can actually affect our longevity. That's what he's saying here. Prolong your life. There's people that have their lives cut short that are completely surrendered to the, to the Lord and all that. We know that. So not everybody that's 
old, obviously, is living a holy life. But as believers, as we obey him and as we grow in holiness and all of that, it will affect our, our lives. And notice it says it will be strength to your bones. What is that? Um, that supplement that people take to strengthen their bones, chondritin or whatever, glucosamine, chondritin or whatever. Um, and, and this is way better than that. This is strength to your body, your bones, your flesh, everything. And, and he says this is the benefits of not being wise in your own eyes, but having fear of him and, 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 and departing from evil, it will, it will prolong our days. And then he says something that really touches us in our lives practically, verse 9 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions, and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, obviously, I could take this verse. We can go a million different directions with it. But this is the encouragement that God wants to give us. And verse 10, that our motivation is never in Scripture. This is the false teacher's miss. Our motivation is never when we give to get. That's not our motivation. Our motivation should be because we love the Lord, because we want to obey what his word says. We want to sow into eternity. We want to have an eternal perspective, an eternal heart. You can't have an eternal heart if you're never sowing into eternity. It's very difficult. But he puts these promises in there like verse 10 because that's how he set it up as, a, as to encourage us to be aggressive with that and to obey him in that. We're not going to be worse off by obeying him with bringing our first fruits from all your increase. He says it's, we need to honor the Lord with our possessions. And so we need to let the, the weight of that hit us related to the... the our lives and, and where he has us and being good stewards for him. We need to be faithful in, in sowing into the kingdom of God. We need to be faithful. It affects a lot of things, more than you realize. And so we need to be faithful in that. Many of you are, I'm sure, being faithful with that. And so it's something that he says this is important. This is part of a wise life. Now he gets to not despising discipline in verse 11. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction, for when the Lord, for whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. So this is an encouragement to us, and the writer of the book of Hebrews repeats this in chapter twelve, saying that don't dis- that's the temptation is despise. Notice that word despise in verse eleven. Don't despise it. Well, what is chastening? Is it punitive where he's trying to punish us and, and hurt us and get back at us? That's, that's what we may, be, we may be thinking if we've had a bad upbringing where we've had parents that did that to where they're getting even with us and they're, they're trying to hurt us and, and all of that. That's not what God does. That's, this, is a, this is a correction. Notice the word correction at the end of verse 11. To test his correction. This is training this is correction to help us get better. That's why you discipline your children is because you love them. Notice the end of verse 12. He says, delights. See, that's, he corrects us and he disciplines us in our faith and arranges circumstances to help facilitate brokenness and being pruned and to, to be more fruitful and more mature because he delights in us. That's why. So his encouragement to you, maybe you're here today and you're, you're de- despising that process of discipline and he wants to tell you to to receive it to to welcome it and he and learn all the lessons from it that he wants you to learn so that that those things he can move on to other things to discipline you with i mean you know what i mean it's just always growing we're always growing in 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 godliness and then he talks about happiness in verse 13 happy is the man who finds wisdom 
and the man who gains understanding. Now he says, for her proceeds. Now he's, he's already personified wisdom. We've already seen this last week. He's personifying wisdom. In fact, last week we saw she was crying out in the streets. Who is going to listen to me? Who is going to receive wisdom and all of that? And he says, for her, talking about wisdom, proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. Now we hear all those ads and commercials about gold, gold line and you know, hedge against the economy and stocks by buying gold and you'll get a great return and it's, it's, it's a safe place. There's way more return. The proceeds of verse 14. Wisdom's proceeds give a way better return than the profits that come from silver or fine gold. And he adds to it in verse 15. She is more precious than rubies. And all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Young people, listen. You may think there's shortcuts to life and that you can bypass God's word because you're going to be happy and because there's this great return in the end if you go the shortcut, whether it be relationships or whatever it is, and that's a lie. He's saying here, this wisdom is far better than anything that this world promises of any return that you could get by taking a shortcut and, and bypassing what God's word says. There's no, no better return than to have this wisdom. And and then he talks more about uh, prolonging life in verse 16. Length of days is in her right hand. In her left hand, riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness. And notice the next two words. And all her paths are peace. All her paths. Verse 18. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. And happy are all who retain her. And the, you know, just all the benefits of wisdom and all the benefits of being wise and living these things out and obeying the Lord and seeking to have a heart that obeys and all these things, that's the life that God can bless. And that's what he wants for us. And notice in verses 19 and 20 as we, as we get ready to close here, Solomon, Solomon provides the ultimate evidence for the value of wisdom. It was used by God in creation. Look at verse 19. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths were broken up and clouds dropped down the dew. So if anyone's tempted to say wisdom isn't valuable, God used wisdom in in his creation and how he created everything. So we need to align ourselves with him and use the wisdom from him to have our lives be all that he wants it to be. Because again, we're his saints. We've been bought with a price. You belong to him. That's the contract that that you agreed to that was the when you surrendered your life to Christ that's what you did you gave him control of your life and that's the best decision you ever made so the value of wisdom the value of having a heart directed towards the Lord in holiness the value of not being wise in your own eyes to be teachable to be able to be corrected to be exhorted and all of that to trust him in everything to lean not on your own understanding not ceasing to acknowledge him in everything. He wants to bless our lives and lead our lives. It's all there for the asking. It's all there for just to be able to live that life that's the abundant life about which he spoke in John 10.10. That they would have life and have it more abundantly. It's all here. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for your, your amazing revelation of your wisdom. Thank you, Jesus, that you pour out so much. And I pray for, first of all, every young person here, Lord that they would be so hungry to know what your word says and to know what wisdom says for their lives, 
that they would never go the wrong path because they think they know a better way. Would you inoculate them against the lies of this world and the lies of the enemy? That they would follow hard after you and they would bear much fruit and, and change many, many lives? We love them, Lord. We want them spared from all the things that they don't have to go through. Thank you for how they already are bearing fruit, so many of them. We just pray that you protect them against temptation, protect them against rebellion, protect them against hardening their hearts against you. And I pray, Lord, you'd manifest yourself by your Holy Spirit in their lives in a very powerful, distinct way where they would know that they've encountered you. And I pray, Father, that you would greatly use them. And I pray, Lord, for the rest of us as well, Lord, that you would work in our lives in a way to where we would hunger to do the right thing. Help us by your Spirit, Lord, to know what to do in every given situation. Help us to trust you, that you will direct our paths if we trust in you with all of our heart. And we acknowledge you in everything, and we lean not on our understanding, but you would lead our lives, Lord. I pray that every one of us would be able to walk in the fullness of your perfect plan for our lives. We commit it to you, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.